Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton, and I am so happy that you are spending a little bit of your time with me today. Some of you guys know that I have a daily blog. Some of you don't know that, so let me be the first to tell you, I have a daily blog. Over on uh, primalpotential.com, not only do I share my musings of the day, my thoughts and observations about life and success and consistency and struggle, but I also share what I eat every day and how I work out every day. I used to do that on the podcast, but now I do it over on the blog where I can provide a little bit more context because it's all relative to how active I am, et cetera, et cetera. Well, those of you that follow the daily blog know that a couple weeks ago, I spent the weekend in Albany, New York, to watch one of the CrossFit regional competitions where about, I don't know, somewhere over 100 athletes compete for just a handful of spots at the CrossFit Games, which are this summer. Let me pause here and say that this is not an episode about working out. It is not an episode about CrossFit. It is, however, an episode about what it takes to be successful. Because in life, And certainly at this competition I went to, you might have a lot of talent, a lot of skill. You might not have as much talent or as much skill. You might really, really want to be successful, and it's not necessarily enough. So when I went to this regional competition, I was paying close attention to things beyond skill and desire that set athletes up to either struggle and not do well or to do really well and be successful and perhaps ultimately win. Because without a doubt, every athlete at that level is not only skilled, but also really wants to win. And yet, some of them struggle. Some of them struggle badly and get in their own way, get in their own head. So I was really curious to see the people who overcome the circumstances, the injuries, the setbacks, the judging calls they don't agree with and can be successful, how do they do that versus the people who might be just as skilled and want it just as badly, but they do struggle? And that is what this episode is about. I really think that the factors that create success in an athletic competition beyond wanting it and beyond skill are also factors that can help us be more consistent because we all want to achieve our goals. That's kind of obvious, but that doesn't mean that we are not in our own way, that we aren't creating additional problems for ourselves, largely because of our inability to control our emotions or coming out too hot things like that. So that is what I want to talk about 
today. And I started thinking about this before I even got to Albany. As I prepared for the weekend, I thought about all of the preparation that goes into making it to a regionals competition, right? And and this made me think about something I've shared on the podcast as well as on the Daily Motivations podcast about the difference between having good intentions and being intentional. There are lots of people that want to be fit or want to compete, so they have that intention, but they aren't intentional about it. They sort of train whatever body part they want to train when they want to train it. They push when they feel like pushing. They dial back when they feel like dialing back. They have good intentions, but they aren't intentional. When I was getting ready for the weekend, I knew that for me to be successful, I had to have more than good intentions and be intentional. I didn't just want to go away for the weekend and try to make good choices or try to get good workouts in. I had to be intentional about it. I knew I'd be in the car a lot. I knew I'd be eating out. I didn't have a kitchenette in my hotel room. And with thousands of CrossFit fans at my hotel, I knew that it wouldn't be all that easy to access the hotel gym like it often is. So being intentional versus having good intentions meant packing my kettlebell in the car. Now, if I had been flying, I easily could have gotten away without that kettlebell and done things like burpees and push-ups and dips between a chair and the bed, things like that. But in this case, because I had my car, I was able to be intentional about bringing a kettlebell, working out each morning, right? acknowledging not just, oh gosh, I'm really going to try and eat well when I'm in an arena all day. I knew and had to have a plan for the fact that they'd be selling beer and pizza and fried dough and they even had like a stand of cookie dough balls. No kidding. Even though it's a fitness event. And I am a stickler for soft pretzels. I I don't know what it is. They're not even that good. But the smell of them and something that I guess because you don't see them too many places unless you're, you know, at a fair or an arena or something like that. So I had to go beyond having good intentions with my food and being very intentional, making plans to have a fat loss friendly breakfast each morning before going to the arena and then packing with me protein bars and beef jerky and water to have as lunch during the day instead of going to a a vendor and having to try and choke down a a nasty burger without the bun or just defaulting to fried chicken because it was there, and then making a plan for dinner, meat and veggies. I planned ahead of time to have one exception night where I was going to have some tortillas at a Mexican restaurant that I wanted to go to and also have a drink. But I wasn't just like, oh, well, it's a weekend away. I'm going to drink every night at dinner. No, I knew I was going to do it once. And that was great. And that is the difference between just having good intentions and being intentional. So I wanted to bring that up because I think that while there are lots of lessons I want to talk about on the competition floor that parallel to what we do day in and day out, there's also a lot to be said about being prepared. And many people only prepare with their ideals, with their wishes. They have intentions, and that is as far as they go with preparation. They've thought about it. They've thought about what they want, but they haven't actively taken steps to set themselves up for success. That's the difference between having good intentions and being intentional. 
But I've talked about that before, so I don't want to spend too much time there. Where I want to spend the majority of the time in today's episode is on the lessons I noticed on the competition floor while athletes were competing for these spots for the CrossFit Games and how they translate to real life. And the first one is this, stay calm. And I see this in my clients all the time, or really the lack of this in my clients. Whether it's because something happens in your personal life, or work is really crazy, or you've just made a series of choices you don't feel good about, people get highly emotional and freaked out, and it sets them up for failure because they are now distracted. They are dealing with additional problems that they created because they are not calm. And this was so easy to see on the floor during the competition. The stakes are high. You're surrounded by high-level athletes. There's an announcer shouting your name. There's all these lights. There's the big screens. There's people competing around you. There's a ton of distractions. And some athletes would Every athlete has an individual judge, right? And if you don't hit the form standard, so let's say you're you're doing a squat and you don't get low enough or you don't lock out at the top, you get what's called a no rep. So you did the work, but it doesn't count because you didn't meet the standard and some athletes would get really really frustrated or they would struggle at the beginning of a workout and it would get in their head and they would kind of start to panic. You have to stay calm. Things happen, whether it's you worked later than you thought you would have to work, or you had an unexpected stressor, or you've made a series of choices that you're really disappointed about, getting emotional about it will only make it worse. It will only make it worse. If you get flustered, now you have an additional problem. Let's use the example of of the rough weekend. I think we can all relate to that. You didn't make good choices. Well, that part is done and gone. The problem itself is over. You have a blank slate unless you don't stay calm. If you get all emotional about it, stressed and flustered, and you let that take over, you now have a brand new problem that you created. So instead of being able to focus on what needs to be done, you're now kerfuffled. And you can't see the path to getting in control because you're not calm because you're freaking out. I think we can all very much relate to this in, say, a work situation. Maybe a deadline gets pushed forward and you don't have as much time as you thought you would, or you have additional projects to take on more than you think you have time to do. Well, if you stay calm, you are far more capable of doing what needs to be done and doing it well than you are If you don't stay calm, if you get all dramatic and emotional about it, because now you have two problems, the work and the fact that you're freaking out. And when you're freaking out, you can't see as clearly, okay, what is the next thing I need to do? When do I need to do it? How can I start? How can I be efficient? You just don't have that clarity because you are clouded by emotional, by the emotional factor that you have generated by your reaction. Or maybe you get injured. Okay, you have to respond to the injury. But if you don't stay calm and instead you go into victim mode and you're freaking out about what might happen if you aren't able to keep up with your normal workouts and what you'll do if you get bored and, oh my gosh, I'm going to put back on all the weight I've lost, 
Now you have two problems. The injury and your emotional reaction to the injury. As opposed to staying calm and having the clarity to see what is in your control and what you can do. The emotion, what happens when we create all of this drama instead of staying calm is that we're distracted and we're giving away precious energy we could use to move forward. And instead, we're sort of tying our hands and creating something additional to have to deal with. No matter what happens, there is tremendous value in staying calm, in noticing your tendency to freak out a little bit, but take a deep breath and remember, remind yourself, practice the fact that energy is much better spent on what you are able and willing to do now and next instead of on this emotional reaction. Another lesson that was hugely important at this regional competition was do not come out too hot. Do not come out too hot. And I don't mean temperature hot. I mean speed, intensity, pace, too much, too soon. Without fail, there were athletes in every heat, in every event that came out too fast, too aggressive, right out of the gate. And then they kind of burned out. They couldn't keep up the pace. And then they lost time because they couldn't even um, they couldn't even withhold uh, an average pace because they sort of burned themselves out in the first couple of minutes. And if you know where I'm going here, this happens all the time when we want to lose weight, make better food choices, exercise more regularly. We go out too hot, too fast, too much. This is what I call letting your motivation exceed your training or your motivation exceeding your preparation. You're just not ready for that intensity. You're not ready to sustain that kind of effort. So we have a day or two or maybe a week or two of intense, hot effort, right? All in, all out. And then we've burnt out right? We can't keep it up and we don't keep it up. We've spent a lot of energy, but we just don't have the stamina to sustain it. It's better to pace yourself, to make a change that you know you can sustain or to start out at a pace you know you can sustain and then be able to increase the intensity as you go instead of starting out with a thousand percent effort and then having to taper, 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 eventually fizzle out, right? I shared with you guys, this is probably a couple months ago now, a lesson that I learned from another CrossFit athlete, Matt Frazier. He won the games last year for the men. When he was competing in the Open this year, he was asked how he did so well. And kind of to the surprise of many people, he said, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So even though he's one of the top athletes, he wasn't like, I just lit it up. I came out and I went as fast and as hard as I could go. No, what he realized was slow is better and not slow as in like dilly dally, but a pace you know you can sustain where you're not going to make mistakes, where you can be consistent. And then you are going to avoid many more missteps or injuries or, you know, just exhaustion because 
you're really doing what is in your wheelhouse and you're not blowing it out of the water and burning out. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And we would rather increase our intensity and effort as we go than have to dial back. Because we get excited and we get more motivated as we're able to do more. But if we come out too hot, doing too much, changing too much too soon, going too extreme, and then we can't sustain it, emotionally, that's hard. We feel like we've dropped the ball. We feel like a failure. We question our ability. And it's just because we came out too hot, too fast. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Now, at the same time, there's another uh, observation here from the regional competition that is related to this. At the same time, you've got to know when to push yourself, right? You cannot be comfortable all the time. You will not win within your comfort zone. So while you don't want to come out too hot, right, you also don't want to play it too safe. Where I see this a lot is people who are like, I ate really well for two or three days, so I sort of earned a treat. Well, I'm sure that's a very, very comfortable pattern for you, but comfortable is not where we win. Comfortable is not where we make progress. So yeah, is it uncomfortable to say, no, I don't need to indulge today because I've had three or four good days. Yeah, it's not the easy choice to say, no, thank you, not today. I'm going to have another day of great choices, but that is where the win comes from. Think about What scares you a little bit, right? There's this line you've got to find for yourself where it's not coming out too hot, right? But you are continuing to push yourself. What scares you a little bit? Working out? Cutting out sugar? Stopping fast food? Don't be afraid to do what scares you. You will not win if you stay within your comfort zone. When it starts to get uncomfortable, do not continue to give in each time. Push a little further, ramp it up a little bit more. This is what makes not coming out too hot work. It's not about pace yourself, stay slow, stay steady, stay consistent. Know when to push. Know when it's time to kick it into gear and take it to the next level. Don't be afraid to do that hard work. This is another lesson that I've talked about before, but really was abundantly clear at the regionals competition, and that is you've got to stay in your own lane. And while literally these athletes had their own lane, you've got to keep your eyes on your own work. You cannot allow yourself to be distracted by what other people are doing because it just has nothing to do with your effort, with your energy, with your work. And when you spend your attention there, where is your attention not? It's not on you, what you need to do. Somebody else's strategy how quickly they're moving, how quickly they're losing weight, how they work out, when they work out. If you allow yourself to focus on that, you've got to realize you're doing that at the expense of focusing on what opportunities exist for you. What can you do today that represents an improvement? It doesn't matter what Susan did at the gym. It doesn't matter what Jamie had for lunch. What about you? When we don't keep our eyes on our own work, We're just distracted and we're not focusing on what we can do. You've got to keep your eyes on your path, on your journey, on your opportunities to take it to the next level. 
And this last one, I actually didn't realize this at the competition, but afterwards. And I wrote about this in my blog from the other day. But there was a series across all the regionals, because there's a bunch of different regionals, three, six, nine, something like that. Um, Not three or six, but I think there's around nine different regions. And across all of the regions, a bunch of male athletes tore their pectoral muscle on the same event. And when I say a bunch, I don't mean like, oh, it happened to a couple people. Over 20, closer to 30 male athletes tore the same muscle during the same workout. And I was really curious about that, as was most of the CrossFit community. And they were saying, is this poor programming? Was it too much? Was it just not designed well? Did the athletes not warm up? Like, why did this happen? And why was it to only men? And why to so many? And the way that the regionals work is one weekend, a few regions go, and then the next weekend, a few more go, and then the third weekend, a few more go. And a lot of people were like, well, why is it still happening in the third week of competition? Like, if, if, why aren't athletes adapting and changing what they're doing so this doesn't happen again? Don't worry. This is not about pec tears. And I shared this in the blog. So some of you might have read this in yesterday's blog. But I was really curious about why this was happening. And there is a world-renowned physical therapist named Kelly Starrett. And he put out a video explaining why this tear happened and was so common at this uh, during these regionals and and why we hadn't seen this kind of injury before and I loved the video I was super excited about it but as I was driving home a couple days after watching it I sort of had this aha moment about the problem that created these injuries and how it is such a huge problem that creates inconsistency in food choices or workout consistency, things like that. So if you are somebody who is inconsistent based on, say, what other people around you are doing. So you do really well when you're at home on your own, but if you're around other people who aren't eating well, you don't eat as well. Or you do really well when you're not working late, but when you are working late, things kind of go to hell, right? If you are struggling with that in any way, I think you will find this fascinating. So in order, I geek out about this. Like, I'm so excited about this parallel. So if you're willing to um, indulge me while I explain a little bit of what happened with this ridiculous injury prevalence, you will see how this plays out in real life related to circumstantial inconsistency. So I'm stressed. I'm tired. I worked late. I was at a party. Everybody else was eating. The parallels are crazy. So here's a big thing that was different at this year's CrossFit Regionals. There were no barbells, which is bananas because CrossFit is a barbell intensive sport. Like you use barbells almost every day in CrossFit. And so to have the Regionals competitions have no barbells, people were like, what? Now, There were dumbbells, but there weren't barbells. Very, very, very different. And there was a lot of gymnastic ring movements. So the thing that dumbbells and gymnastic rings have in common is that they don't give you the same amount amount of stability as, say, a barbell or a gymnastics bar, okay? And so what Kelly Starrett was saying in this video is that when you are working with a barbell or a gymnastics bar, 
And I'm using those as examples as opposed to rings and dumbbells. When you are working with a more stable fixed object, like a barbell or a gymnastics bar, you can use that object to create stability. So in the case of these particular workouts, if you do them with a barbell or a gymnastics bar, you can sort of use the barbell to create stability. You sort of press against the bar in a way that holds your shoulders in a particular position that creates tension through your back and your chest. But when you are using dumbbells or rings, you can't use the object to create stability. You are either unstable or you have to create that stability by the way you hold your own body. So if I am doing a movement with dumbbells, I have to make sure, let's say, um, that I'm doing bent over rows, right? I think we all know the rowing motion with a barbell or a dumbbell, and I'm bending over, I have the barbell or the dumbbell in my hands. I could just sort of let my arm with a dumbbell in it dangle and not have my shoulder blades drawn back, not have my my arms rotated such that my shoulder is very much engaged. I could sort of be loose with the dumbbell, not have that stability of musculature in my upper body. With a barbell, though, I can use the barbell itself for that stability. So in the case of these injuries, there were a lot of different factors he discussed, but I want to only talk about one of them with you. In the case of these injuries, if they had been done, if this workout had been done on a gymnastics bar or with a barbell, they could create stability off the object. But because we're talking about gymnastics rings, a lot of the athletes had their shoulders rounded over as opposed to shoulders drawn back, elbow, uh, shoulders really locked in. And what happens is they were setting themselves up for injury because they didn't have that stability in their bodies as opposed to creating that stability off a barbell, which maybe they had been used to doing in their barbell training. None of that matters. The science of it doesn't matter. That's not the the point I'm trying to make here. But the aha moment that I had in thinking about this is that we, as decision makers, when it comes to our food choices or our fitness choices, our financial choices, our career choices, our attitudes, our thoughts, we can either rely on others for our stability or we can create it and have it within ourselves. For example, if you go to a party and it is easier for you to not eat and drink if nobody else is eating and drinking than it is for you to not eat and drink when everybody else is eating and drinking crap, you are in a position where you are getting your stability your choice stability, your mindset stability from other people, which means you don't have a lot of stability. If everybody around you is eating junk, you're more likely to eat junk. But if that stability comes from within yourself, it doesn't matter what anybody else around you is doing. I think many people rely on their circumstance. And this doesn't just mean other people. You might get your stability from a routine. 
And if that routine gets screwed up, you are not as likely to make good choices as you are when your routine is what you expect it to be, what it normally is. So we have a choice, just like these athletes did. Using the rings didn't mean that they couldn't have good form and alignment and muscular control. They could. They just didn't, either because they weren't practiced in it or because they were rushing but they could have. They were just maybe used to using another object for that stability and not being in great control of their bodies without the aid of another object. You have the choice to either be someone who is in control of your choices and you are the one setting the standards for yourself regardless of how you feel emotionally, regardless of external circumstances like what are other people doing, eating, choosing, saying, feeling, thinking, or your schedule, your time, the time of year, where you are geographically, if you're on vacation versus at home. So, so much of our inconsistency I was thinking about when I, when I watched this video So much of our inconsistency comes from instability when we are relying on external factors for that false sense of security. So if we're relying on our repeatable routine schedule or we're relying on the behavior of others, well, if everybody else turns down the donut, it's easier for me to turn down the donut. And what I am saying to you is a critical factor for success is not to have your stability come from external sources, whether that is people, whether that is your routine, whether that is the amount of time available to you, but to practice being somebody who does what you intend to do, who does what makes you feel best, regardless of the external factors. Create that stability within yourself Instead of relying on an external factor, because for as long as you rely on that external factor, you will be inconsistent because those variables will always change. And just like these athletes need to train themselves to have that form regardless of the object that they are using in their workout, so they need to have you know their shoulders drawn back and in proper form be rotated the correct way, regardless of if they are on rings or using a gymnastics bar, we have to go into every situation making the choices that are right for us, independent of the external factors, where our stability comes from within instead of from outside of us. That is a key factor of success, and it only comes from training. It only comes from training. The last thing I want to share with you, didn't even know what this meant until I was at the games, and it is the hashtag used by a couple of these top-tier athletes. And I didn't know what the hashtag meant until this weekend, but the hashtag is HWPO. So some of these athletes in their training would end every post with hashtag HWPO, which is hard work pays off. Hard work pays off. Simple, obvious, but how much hard work are you doing? Are you doing average work? 
Are you not doing any hard work at all? If you want to create this stability within yourself so that you are not inconsistent, so that you are consistent no matter what is happening around you, how much time you have, where you are, it takes hard work. And we don't do hard work for the sake of doing hard work. We do hard work because it pays off. Love you guys. Hope you have a great day. I'll chat with you soon. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.